Good morning, friends. It is a joy to be with all of you. My name is Silas, associate pastor here, and um, I want to dismiss our kids. Uh, we do have middle school and high school going as well, so in the summer we've had a little break for that, but kids, you're able to go. Middle school, high school is also running. Typically that starts at the beginning of the service, so you can go straight down to your classrooms. Um, follow Amy on the way out. Kids, we bless you as you go, and go in the grace and peace of God to know and serve him more. Again, it is a joy also to have Andrew back. Uh, Andrew's not in the room, but Andrew, welcome back. He's getting coffee, uh, but uh, we, we are excited to have Andrew back in the space and leading for us uh, as we go again. With, um, with the series we are in, we uh, typically, you know, every year we go through this series called Gather, Grow, Go. Last week, we gathered and we learned about gathering by gathering. We had a post-service um, potluck. We invited, uh, invited LCPC, the other church here. We had space to share and get to know each other in the way that we participate in the act of gathering. And we learned about that. It's something we revisit every year to kind of root why we do what we do. Now, especially beginning of the year, why do we gather? But today we are extending and continuing this thread, and we're going to look at the idea of what does it mean to grow in this space? What do we hope for ourselves in this year to come? What do we hope not just for ourselves, but for us as a church in the year to come? As we do this, we're going to be entering through the Psalms. In the past, we've typically done this series by going through the New Testament, by engaging stories of Christ, the disciples, Makes sense, right? We, the disciples are gathered, they grow with Jesus in time, and they go. It just lends itself really well to a three-point series, so to speak. But the life of God and our life with God is also found in all of the scriptures, just as Amy was talking about. So as she's preaching and reading and uh, teaching from the storybook Bible, the questions that are arised, how is Jesus found in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus? in the Psalms. Right. How is that found? Well, we're going to continue that thread by looking at Psalm 1 today. Before we do that, join me for a word of prayer as we just prepare our hearts to hear from God in this moment. God, we're grateful for the gift of this day. We're grateful for this time to pause in our week. We're grateful for this time to reflect on who you are, and we pray that this spoken word would be faithful to your written word. Ultimately, that it leads us to you, our living word, Jesus Christ. And as we do this, as we learn and discern, speak to us, and may we hear you well. We pray this with Christ by the Spirit. And everyone said, amen. Have you ever um, experienced a moment of realization that, um, that forced you to question something you've held firmly in the past? Like, it could be something uh, life-shattering, earth-shattering, like alt life-altering. It also could be on the lighter side. But have you ever had this moment where you thought the world existed in one way, and then you found some new information, and it changed everything else? It changed the way you've looked back in your life. In um, college, I had a friend from Guatemala who was really into electronic dance music. 
from the 90s. So he loved a certain, not a certain just genre, but also a certain year, a time frame. I don't know if anyone's a big EDM fan here. Raise your hand if you are. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> we got some EDM fans. Well, my friend from Guatemala, his English, um, you know, he was learning English as he was arriving. And so he also loved to host dance parties. It's the thing he would do. He walked around the glow sticks. It was kind of his stick. It was awesome. He's a great guy. <laughs> so he's telling us about this new song. Again, when he says new, he's talking about 1990s EDM. So keep that in mind. He's talking about this new song. And he says, I heard this new song and I'm repping the song. We're like, what do you mean? And he's like, I'm wearing Reebok and Nike. We're like, okay, I don't listen to EDM. I don't know what that means. And then he says, listen to this song. And he plays this song. It's probably popular. I'm not going to play the sample, but it's, it is the rhythm of the night is the song, right? And it goes like, doof, doof, doof. It's the rhythm of the night. He thinks that the song was about Reebok and Nike. So he's singing the song. He's like, it's the Reebok and the Nike. We're like, okay, that's one way. I think it changes the song. We told him, and he had been decked out, like, again, to host this dance party. This was a moment in his life that changed, right? <laughs> like, the song changed. He didn't need to dress up to dance to the song anymore. He could just enjoy the rhythm of the night. So my friend, his name's Mazzy, that's his thing. Like, he had this moment where he realized he, it's one of his favorite songs. For the entirety of he's been listening to it, he's been singing the wrong lyrics for the whole song. Have you had a moment like that, right, where you've thought something, and then at the end you realize, oh, maybe, maybe I've gotten something a little mixed up. In this case, it's harmless. It makes for a funny story. He, it didn't stop him from dancing any harder, from hosting his uh, DJ parties. But something like this happened to me this week as I was preparing for our sermon. Psalm 1 is our passage. You know, our passage this morning is a passage that I memorized in the sixth grade. It was one of my, the first passages that I would engage. And, um, of course, in church growing up, uh, it was in the KJV, right, the King James. Um, and truth be told, I think I originally memorized it in sixth grade to earn points for our um, our Wednesday night adventure club class. So points for the guys team so we could have the pizza party. <laughs> Memorize your Bible passage. But this was one of the first ones. So I've known this passage for a long time. And today is the first time I've preached on this passage. And so I went back. I examined it in a new way. And you know, I ran into a few observations that helped me see this passage in a different light. I'm going to invite us into that today as we explore how God is speaking to us in this passage. Our passage is Psalm 1, verses 1 through 6, and let us begin from the uh, NIV translation. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. 
Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This, friends, is God's word to us. So, as I said, we're continuing this series, Gather, Grow, Go. And as we look at growing in the faith, as we look at growing in relationship, as we look at growing in community, this psalm invites us to think about a couple questions. First, like, what is the law of the Lord? When we read the Bible, if we say it's the Bible, uh, there's different sections that exist in the Bible. We know not every story or passage of Scripture is legalistic or is a part of law. It's not written in that way. So is this verse, when it says, meditate on the law, day and night, what's it telling us to do? What's it inviting us into? On face value, especially if we've grown up in church, we can read this verse and kind of blow by it. But what is it saying? What is it doing? These, uh, these portions of the Bible through um, Leviticus, which is typically a legalistic book, or a, a book of law, not a legalistic book. Um, it's a book that has instruction for us. It invites us to think about how this book in the psalm is the first one, right, of a long series of chapters. And the Psalms themselves are a book of worship, a book of prayer. As a book of worship and prayer, it's meant to be read corporally. It's meant to feed a community. It's something we would sing and read together. But also, did you know that the Psalms are divided into five parts? There's five books existing in the Psalms. And so you'll see, if you are flipping through, there's different breaks throughout the, the book of Psalms. And typically in Hebrew scripture, when we look and we see the word law, that word Torah, or the Torah of God, as it says in this passage, um, it can refer to legal instruction, but more often it's referring to the teaching or the instruction. The teaching or the instruction of God. In Jewish, uh, in Jewish worship, the Torah is actually the first five books of the Bible. Right? The Pentateuch, the five books that have been written uh, by Moses, authored by Moses. And so as we think about this, that the law in the way that this is going to be heard in worship isn't talking about just laws, but it's talking about the instruction or the teaching of God. And then we look at how this book at the beginning of Psalms is talking about five books in order. You start to see that this introduction of the law isn't a command or an injunction to live in a particular way. Instead, it's an invitation to engage the full breadth of God's revelation, the full way that God is speaking to us, the full way that God is here in the book of Psalms. When we see, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. 
and who meditates on his law day and night. In the past, I, when I was growing up, I was formed in a kind of spirituality that probably emphasized obedience over anything else. Obedience to the law. Obedience to structures or way that we interpret the scriptures. That's not in and of itself bad. But one thing it does miss is when you're formed to engage this psalm in that way, you miss the invitation that is unfolding. You miss the way that this psalm invites us to God and neighbor. So how does that continue to happen? If this psalm at the beginning of the psalms is an invitation to encounter God in Torah, in the five books of the psalms, in the worship and the usage of prayer in the psalms, consider how delighting in the law might look. What does it mean to delight in the law, to meditate on the law? This is um, what life with God looks like, meditating on the law. As we think about meditation, typically, in the way that we frame meditation, we, we engage it through the way that it's presented to us in Eastern religions. And so meditation might look like an emptying of yourself, right? an emptying of thought, a kind of a stilling of your mind, so there's nothing there. Right? You're not meditating um, on something, you're, you're ridding yourself of yourself to be able to then come to a place of peace. So in many of our Eastern religions, that is the way meditation works. Right? It's a stilling of the moment. It's centering yourself here. And it's making sure we are emptying so that we can then receive what the world or the universe has for us. Does that sound familiar in the way that we understand meditation? That is not what's happening here. The word that's here for meditate is just a very different way of thinking about how we engage God and Scripture. Because rather than being an emptying, the word that's used in this context is actually a word to mutter or to murmur, to reflect and to kind of stew on the law. So you didn't, in that context of the Psalms, uh, read the book quietly. You muttered it. You spoke the Psalms. And so when it's saying that you're meditating day and night, what it's really saying is you're chewing on it. You're saying it. You're reciting it over and over and over again. This is part of practice for how uh, Christians and um, how Pharisees and how teachers of the law would stew on the text. Meditation wasn't so much an emptying of what is here, but it was rather an infilling so that you can find your life, so you can find God in your life. You see the difference between what meditation looks like. This passage is telling us that as we seek out the teachings of God, the instruction of God, this meditation is about being filled, not in a losing of yourself, not in an emptying of yourself. What is life with God like? This is what Psalm 1 is inviting us into. 
a life of fullness, not emptiness. Not a losing of ourselves to find God, but a finding of ourselves as we are found by God in worship and relationship. Meditate on the law. Meditate on the teachings and instructions. Press into the way that God is inviting you into worship. Now, as we say that, we're in worship now. But day and night, that tells us about time frame. It tells us about something beyond. Think of the Genesis story, right? You have the whole idea of God creates uh, birds of the air, fish of the sea. Well, that doesn't negate everything in between. Right? <laughs> when he creates day and night, that doesn't mean dawn is gone or uh, there's no evening or there's no dusk. It means from top to bottom, God is present. God is there. So this now opens up its space, its scope. It's telling us reflect on Reflect on the way God is revealing God's self through the entirety of the Psalms and then meditate that in a way that fills your life. Find that in a way that fills your life. As we do that filling, we get to verse, uh, verse 4, which has this image, or verse 3, sorry, that has this image that person who does this is like a tree planted by streams of water. This is something that hit me this week as we were reflecting on this text. I've always thought of this psalm in a way that makes us to be one tree by another stream, and then Andrew is his own tree, and he's planted by the stream, and then Eric is planted by the stream, and we're all just you know, like populating the, 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 the bank, Right? We're making this come to life. But look back to what it says. One tree planted by many streams of water. Do you notice this? One tree planted by streams of water. It brings to mind and brings to question, what streams are nourishing and filling your life right now? What streams are nourishing and filling your life? The one who is faithful. Blessed is the one who is like a tree planted by streams of water. It should bring up to mind this concept and this idea that Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. And what does it mean to be connected to multiple streams? Well, perhaps the expression of Christianity that has formed you or invited you in has been an expression that says this is the one way. This is the one way to do it. This is the one stream of life that, you know, should be filling your life. This is the only way to engage God. But of course, in this psalm, we are invited to something much broader. broader. You'll notice that one thing we do throughout the year um, is we highlight different readings of stories. And so, Anytime we read a passage of story or, or a passage of scripture, anytime we preach, we engage it from one interpretation, one reading. And we're intentional in our preaching to offer other ways, other streams. This past week at uh, men's Bible study, we looked at a story that was a little odd, 
It was a story of um, the parable of the, uh, of the shrewd manager. Right? This is from Luke 16. It was in the lectionary text. So this is a story that thousands of churches all over the world are preaching and have, have preached on, are preaching on right now. And there'll be many different ways to engage that story. We looked at this story and it says like, there's this guy who, uh, he, he gets found out that he's been cheating or he's been manipulating the markets, so to speak. And he's been mishandling the estate for his master. And so the master says, I'm going to come and take account of this. And then he has to go, and he thinks, like, how can I find life? And he goes to all of the creditors, or all the people that owe his master money, and he says, hey, you had a bill of 900, no longer. Just pay 500. You had a bill of this, don't, no longer. Just pay this smaller amount. We looked at that passage, and in our discussion, there were a lot of different ways to engage that story. Like, does that mean, is Jesus saying, well, I mean, be shrewd, uh, be manipulating the markets, like, don't take back all the, all the stuff that you, uh, your master requires. What do we do with this story? How does it fit into our lives? How do we find our lives in it in Luke 16? There are many answers to this story. One way, just to alleviate the tension, uh, one way to do it is it's not saying go and cheat your boss and cheat your customers if you're in sales, right? It's not saying that. It is saying, like, what does it look like uh, if you cut out your commission for the sake of the way that you are making restitution, right? A lot more to that reading, a lot more that can a lot more that should be and needs to be unpacked than one sentence there. If you have questions about it, talk to uh, Thane or Josh. They were at Men's Bible Study, and they will fill you in. It was a lively discussion, right, about how we engage this strange, strange story. Like, is God commending you because of the way that you're able to uh, creatively play with numbers so that you don't get indicted for cheating? Again, think about the story. Invite these people into it. But this observation about, like, what streams are feeding your life, right? If you are a tree planted by multiple streams, it changes, again, the way that we think about this psalm. Because this psalm, at the beginning of the book, right, is highlighting five different kinds of engagement. And so in the psalms, you have lament, you have psalms of hope, you have psalms of corporate praise. You have psalms about frustration, right? Anger with God, deep sadness, loss. We also have psalms of ascent that are meant to be on the way up as you pilgrim to the temple. There's a psalm for every season of life. And at the same time, when we meditate on the word of God, the law of God, the teaching, the instruction of God day and night, the thing that it roots us in is that the filling of our lives brings us deeper into relationship with God, brings us deeper into relationship with others. And so in this vein, in this frame, as we allow ourselves to be filled by God, 
we start to find that we are entering onto the way of righteousness. Did you know that the first reference to people of faith in uh, the New Testament, in the book of Acts, to Christians, so to speak, were people of the way. We're called people of the way. Not Christianity as a religion, but we are called people of the way. What ways are you going in your life? Whose ways are you following? And what streams are informing that way so that you might find flourishing, blessedness, and use that in a way that connects you to others? The psalm is an invitation, an invitation to be filled, and an invitation in that filling to fill others, to be with others. I love also in this way that the psalm towards the end talks about how the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, why do I love this passage, this verse? In some forms of Christianity and expressions, there is almost sometimes this righteous or unrighteous like love for the way that I'm in my tribe. I'm in my relationship with God. We've got things battened down. We are ready for Christ's return, whatever that may look like. But the reason I love this verse as a wrap-up and an introduction into the psalm itself is because notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, there's righteous people and there's wicked people. The righteous people are going to heaven. The wicked people are gone forever. Right? It doesn't say that. It's not talking about the person. It's talking about the way that you are living, the way of being righteous or the way of destruction, the way that you are making choices for your life. When you meet God, this way will be gone. When you come face to face with God, you will not be able to resist how God is inviting you to a life that sees its fullness in God and in yourself. We find God and we find ourselves in the filling of God in our life. In that meditation, that day-to-day -day thing, in the idea that you are planted by streams of water, nourishing all of the way that God is coming into your life. God does speak to us through the scriptures. But as we have spoken about before, God speaks to us through creation. God speaks to us in the relationship we have with others and enlivens our hearts to encounter the fullness of God living in relationship with us. Now, the challenge of this verse and the verse that wraps up this psalm is that when we see this, we have a tendency to still want to have this relational or uh, this retributive view of what is being said in this passage. 
you can preach this psalm very easily to say there are two kinds of people in the world. There's righteous people, there's wicked people. And if you do these things, you will be righteous. If you don't, you'll be over here. If you do these things, you'll live a good life. You'll be blessed. It starts with happy is the one or blessed is the one. Do this. If you don't, you're over here. But think about the way that this psalm is hitting on the way you are planted. The central question in this psalm, right in the middle, right right at the climax of the psalm is, what streams are you informing your life? What are you planted near? What is coming in to give you life? Remember, they are speaking and hearing this while living in the desert. Water is a scarce community or a scarce commodity. And so you might say, the first time I have water, the first thing I see, I'm going to go to that. And that's what's going to feed me. And this is saying, be discerning. In the desert, you will come across water, scarcely, but also what's feeding that stream? Because you're in a desert. There's got to be, uh, there has to be some kind of spring. And in that springing, um, is it a good one? Is it a clean one? Is there a reason that it's here? This is telling us to be a little more introspective about the kind of streams that we allow to feed our lives. Right at the middle of the psalm, as everything comes to a head, what is feeding your life? What are we allowing to feed our lives? It's a huge question to think about, right? What is feeding our lives? As we discern those questions for ourselves, this is where the growth happens. In your being planted by streams in the desert, as we think about and meditate on this idea, the psalm says there is more for us to engage in how we allow God to speak. Through the psalm, in every season, there is something there for you. God is there. With the way that Christ meets us through the story and through the psalm itself, we are the branches and God is the vine. And so, we gather, we grow, and we go. We grow with each other in our gathering. We grow in the way that we go. One thing that's key for us as we talk about this series is that it's not a linear progression, one, two, three. But yet we discover all of the pieces in each other one. So in our going, we will grow and we'll also gather others. We might gather um, the way that we share our thoughts with each other. In our uh, gathering, right, we, we do it in a way to help us experience God in our going as well. And so like these, these three things, they, they kind of bleed into each other. They feed into each other, which is part of the beauty of the psalm. As we root and think about our lives here this fall and for the next season, 
there are plenty of ways to participate in the gathering of God. If you look at your, um, in your bulletin or in the, uh, the, the passport idea, uh, that passport thing, it's like that little brown booklet, you will see a, a variety of ways that you can participate in the work of growing. There are different streams that are present that will inform your life. And ultimately, as we do that, uh, as we engage in these streams, we also want to be cognizant, to be recognizing that all of us have other streams that are informing our lives. There's no shortage of things in our season and day in life to, uh, to find. And yet, as you start the beginning of the year, pause. Meditate. Think about what is informing your life. It doesn't need to be a life-altering moment or a life-altering recognition to change everything. What it is doing is it is offering ways, streams in the desert, to plant by. And so we have things like a coffee class, a class we're really excited about that engages from bean to cup the process of coffee and how tied in with that journey there are social questions, there are questions about taste and delight, there's practices of how you share together, and in all of this, how do we find our lives and find God's life in this journey of something that most of us have every day, that most of us share every day. That's going to be a great thing. It might not be your thing. It might be a stream that you don't feel like, yeah, I don't know if that's going to feed me. I don't, don't know if that's necessarily my, my vein. That's okay. There are other streams to share. We do have formal Bible studies. Uh, our women's Bible study in the morning uh, that started this past week. Our men's Bible study in the evening started this past week. Starting in October, if you um, would like an evening Bible study, we also do send and have people at Green Lake, uh, our, our other campus that, um, that hosts Bible studies in the evening. So there's morning and evening opportunities here. Outside of that, participating through our Ministry of Racial Justice and Reconciliation. There's events that we have throughout the year. And then also, we have kids programming. As Amy was saying, that pouring out and that sharing, those are opportunities in children, youth, and family. All that to say, there are many ways, and we recognize these aren't the only things available in your life. But let us be intentional about how we plant ourselves and what streams we allow to feed our lives in this season and in the season to come. As we grow and as you grow, we recognize that God is meeting us in every stage of growth. And so the season of life you might be in uh, might make it difficult to attend some of these things. That's cool. Life with a toddler right now. I have one, right? Many of you have more than one. That makes for a busier life, right? Like navigating all of these things is a reality we live in. And yet, we don't want to be prescriptive. I don't want to be prescriptive for you. 
What I do want to do is invite you to the invitation that God has in this space. Be intentional about how you think about this fall. It is not too late to join any of the things we've mentioned. It is not too late to take an active hand in what kind of growth you want in your life and ultimately what kind of growth you're called to in this community as we grow together. And so join me as we close and wrap up and receive this blessing that is rooted in Psalm 1. You are blessed as you walk in step with God and walk with the God who follows your steps. You are blessed as you stand and as you sit in your being and existence, knowing that God who transcends space and time holds you within it. The life we live is not a life that we opt into finding God, for God is there. And yet at the same time, as we grow in the grace of God that calls us to recognition, God recognizes that we are invited into that space. And so we say with the prophets and with uh, the psalmists that we want to be planted by streams of water, streams that come scarcely in a desert, and streams that help us yield fruit in its season. May our leaves not wither. May what we do prosper. And the Lord who watches over our way, the way that calls us as people, may that be a righteous thing for the season to come. We pray this with Christ by the Spirit. And everyone said, Amen.